Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and normally I have to stop myself from saying there's a lot to get to today. However, today there actually isn't a lot to get to. <laughs> I know you can turn you can turn the podcast off. There's we're we're done. We're not going to talk about anything here on this Tuesday morning. No, we actually do have a, um, a good amount to get to. But it was interesting because we had the last day of a month, which usually you don't get a lot of data, and the first in the beginning of a week you almost never have any data. So it was like a perfect storm of nothing. Nothing happening. But I do want to talk about two very interesting articles I read, one over at Bloomberg, one over at Financial Times, both talking about the Fed's upcoming decisions, one dealing with their balance sheet and one dealing with interest rates and the impact that's going to have on our economy, obviously, and of course, what's going to happen in the mortgage-backed security markets, therefore, what's going to be happening in housing. But I do want to start with a report that we get every Monday. And I want to thank Altos Research for releasing these weekly reports because if they didn't, we would have we really have almost nothing to talk about here on this podcast. So I appreciate them giving me some material to discuss, but I also appreciate them because they do a weekly report. It comes out every Monday and it looks it really looks at what's happening right now in the housing market. A lot of housing reports are delayed, you know, Case Shiller, that's a three-month lag. So we're not getting data for three months. And a lot of other reports are about a month delayed. This is about as instant as you can get with good data. So it gives you an idea of what's happening in the housing market while we're currently in it. It reminds me of that uh, great line that Andy says in the office. Everyone loves to quote it on social media. And it says, I wish there was a way to know that you were in the good old times or the good old days while you were still in them. <laughs> and it's kind of like that with housing. It's like, I, I wish we would know that you're in a hot housing market while you're still in it. Now, of course, we know we're in a hot housing market and there are indicators that you'll know. You look at how, what inventory levels are and you look at what's happening with home prices. And so there are indications almost immediately of where we are, but this is giving you that solid data. And speaking of inventory, let's start there. So just 244,000 single family homes are on the market right now. They point out that about 80,000 or so will be listed this week, but there's no sign of increasing inventory. And in normal years, this is the time that you would see inventory levels climbing as people get ready to list their homes for the spring market. And that is not happening. Well, it is, but the homes are getting bought up and sold immediately. And then the reason you're not seeing any increase is because a lot of people are saying, well, I can't list my home because I don't know where I'm going to move. So that's one of the problems that you have with low inventory is that it's kind of like this unfortunate cycle where people see there's no inventory, so there's nowhere to move, so they don't list their house. And because they don't list their house, the inventory levels stay low. <laughs> it's not a, not a good cycle to be in. So the inventory levels remain at historic lows. And just to give you an idea of how low this is, just before the initial pandemic period, we were at then record lows and inventory levels were at 724,000. <laughs> so more than double, actually about what? That's triple. That's triple the size. So yeah, um, inventories, historic lows. And one of the reasons why is that a home gets listed and it gets sold almost immediately. As of right now, 
homes on market are averaging about 35 days. Last year, remember last year, hot housing market, 55 days at the end of February and pre-pandemic, so normal times, 85 days. So just once again, not triple in this case, but almost well above double. (laughs) So things are, that's how hot the housing market is. Just to, to give you some black and white information, that is how hot the housing market is. And this, of course, does what? When you have low inventory, not a lot of time on market, pushing prices up. The average single family home, $389,900. That is up 2% week over week and puts it up 12% higher than around the same time last year. And what's so crazy about this year over year data is that last year it was a hot housing market. So it's not like the, the, the base effect that we saw with 2020 where we saw this big drop in 2020 and so year over year you saw this big number what's like well yeah because things dropped off in 2020 things especially right around now eh, maybe one more month when the pandemic kicked in and really everything kind of came to a stop is you saw these big jumps year over year well last year things were hot and so the fact that we're even hotter than that really shows you what is happening with this market. So hot housing market once again, and let's face it, one of the arguments that's been made about why this housing market has been hotter than say normal has been the actions of the Fed. The Fed deciding they're gonna buy mortgage-backed securities to bring some strength and stability to the housing market when the pandemic hit. And they of course are still buying those mortgage-backed securities. And we know at some point, they are going to have to sell those mortgage-backed securities. And so what impact is that going to have on the mortgage-backed securities market and, of course, the impact that's going to have on housing? And there was an interesting piece over at the Financial Times by Kate Dugid and Colby Smith, and they point out that there's really two schools of thought on this. Now, the first one being the most obvious, investors are concerned about what this could mean. Loftif Karu, chief credit strategist at Goldman Sachs, told the Financial Times, quote, in a world where the Fed doesn't buy anything, private investors will have to absorb a significantly higher amount of supply than last year. So what does that mean? Higher interest rates. The shock of supply is likely to drive prices lower. Prices have already fallen. The spread of agency MBS over treasuries, which is the premium investors demand to hold the riskier mortgage bonds over risk-free treasuries, has risen from 0.02 percentage points at the beginning of November to 0.32 percentage points today, the highest level in more than a year. So once again, as prices fall, interest rates go up. And so the concern is, is that in order to make mortgage-backed securities attractive is you're going to have to increase the yield that these bonds are producing. And that once again means higher mortgage rates. Now, not everyone subscribes to this idea. Some investors aren't worried. Daniel Hyman, the head of agency MBS portfolio management at PIMCO told the Financial Times, quote, if the Fed decides to sell it, It is a definitive negative, but it is only one factor. 
Now, this is true, especially if the housing market reverts back to more normal volume levels. Uh, Hyman continues saying annual issuance in the agency MBS market averaged about $1.6 trillion in the 20-year prior to the pandemic versus the $4 trillion that we saw in 2021. If issuance this year returns to a more normal level, that could offset any effect of Fed tightening. So the argument, very simple, is that our appetite for mortgage-backed securities has obviously increased as more have been issued. But if we fall back down to more normalized levels, then the Fed reducing their balance sheet and putting those mortgage-backed securities back into the market will find those who have an appetite for them, especially during a time when it's going to be hard to find yield. It's going to be hard to find returns and mortgage-backed securities still looking relatively strong, especially compared to, say, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever they're going to be. Everyone's projecting that we could have a down year in uh, or on the stock market. And so what a great place to say, hey, let's put some money and I can at least make a few percentage points in buying mortgage-backed securities. And just a reminder, Sam Cater, Freddie Mac's chief economist, projected at the start of this year that we would see in 2022, purchase originations would climb to $2.1 trillion, but refinance activity is expected to drop 55% to $1.2 trillion. So that's still $3.3 trillion. Now, there's no doubt that as mortgage rates increase, that, that, that refinance activity is going to continue to fall more and more. And so that number could go under a trillion dollars. They, were, they weren't projecting that until 2023, but at the rate rates are moving up, you could see refinance activity fall to under a trillion dollars, which would get us closer to more normalized times than where we have been over these last two years. So two schools of thought, There's no doubt there's going to be negative consequences from the Fed reducing their balance sheet on the housing market, but how impactful that's where the debate seems to be. And then speaking of the Fed, let's close out by talking about what the Fed might do in March. Federal Reserve Bank of Atlantic President Rafael Bostic said he favors raising interest rates at the Federal Open Market Committee's March meeting, but he is undecided on how big that hike should be. Bostic, speaking at an event at Harvard University, said one data point that I am looking at in particular is month-to-month change in inflation. To the extent we start to see that trend down, then I'll be comfortable pretty much with a 25 basis point move. If that continues to persist at elevated levels or even moves in the other direction, then I'm really going to have to look at a 50 basis point move for March. Bostic also noted that he's going to be, or it's going to be an active year for the Federal Open Market Committee saying, quote, every meeting is live for us. As data comes in, we will have to make judgments about what happens at every stage of the way. And just to give you an idea of where the markets are, the CME Group FedWatch tool had a 50 basis point hike probability on Monday when I checked it of less than 7%. I think it was like 6.7%. Now that's down from 88% a little less than three weeks ago. So what that tells me is how quickly things can change. Because we're what? About two, three weeks away from the next Fed meeting. So in three weeks, 
we went from almost certain to be a 50 basis point hike to now almost no chance. What's going to happen these next three weeks? Obviously, the unrest on a global scale will influence the decision of the Federal Open Market Committee. And this week, don't forget today, starting today, we got Jerome Powell will be speaking in front of the House Banking Committee. And then on Wednesday, he'll be testifying in front of the Senate Banking Committee. And I'm sure he will be asked about the unrest on a global scale between Russia and Ukraine and how that could influence their rate hike decision. So we'll talk about that on tomorrow's podcast, but we got to go. Look at that. We got to what? Almost 12, 13 minutes with nothing to talk about. That's how that's how I'm, I'm like Seinfeld. I can do a whole show on nothing. <laughs> I managed to make it happen. All right, you guys enjoy your Tuesday. I will talk to you again Wednesday morning or tonight if you want to tune into the stream of the podcast on, you know, I was thinking Facebook live or YouTube. I might try both Facebook live and YouTube live. We'll see. We'll see which one I like more. So be on the lookout. You can get all the information at marketsinmortgages.com and sign up for the morning companion newsletter. If you would like to do that, but you guys, like I said, enjoy your Tuesday. I'll talk to you either tonight or Wednesday morning for another edition of markets and mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.